What is up? It is Tuesday, January 26th. This is Football Life Presents The Audible. I am your host, Randy Hammond, alongside my co-host, Matt Bushnell. Uh, Matt, Super Bowl 55 is set. This is episode 45 for us. What an exciting time to be a football fan. A great, great Super Bowl matchup. We're going to talk about that in, quite a, in just a little bit. Your first thoughts here, though, Matt, just quickly, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is a win-win. This is a, this is a great situation for the NFL. Yeah, I think as long as you had Patrick Mahomes versus either NFC quarterback, you were going to win if you were the NFL. It was the perfect setup. Uh, I mean, I can't say enough about how well I thought. I will say this, though. Brady, those three interceptions, and I know we'll get to them. Yeah, don't, don't pull your load yet. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, it's gonna, it's <laughs> some of the three worst interceptions I've seen by a football player. So yes, it, it's bad. concerning. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk about both the AFC and the NFC championship games and, and just mere minutes here, but we're going to talk about some news first. But before we get to all that, Matt, today is January 26th. It is the one-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi and seven others tragically passing away in a helicopter crash. As you all know, I've, I've talked about this on shows before, how much Kobe Bryant meant to me as a Lakers fan. Uh, so this show is dedicated to him and his daughter and the Bryant family and the, you know everyone who's been so impacted by this year. Uh, the world is a better place with Kobe in it. Uh, the whole world has gone to crap since. So uh, it has been a crazy year. I cannot believe it has been a year since that happened. But uh, here we are. So January 26th, a day that I always remember where I am, uh, where I was when it happened. And it felt like time stood still. So uh, this is a football show. I don't want to talk about this too much. But I uh, just wanted to say the show is dedicated to uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter and uh, all the tri- victims of that day. All right, Matt, let's get into the news here. Uh, we start off, we mentioned it last show, but it's official now. The Lions are hiring Dan Campbell to be their uh, head coach. We questioned it before, but then they introduced him, and he looks like a like a mechanic. He doesn't look like a head coach. He's got the goatee. He's a big guy. Uh, and then he comes in, and he talked – like, I remember last year when the Giants hired Joe Judge, and he said all the right things. And he was like, he wanted to do old school football and, uh, you know, wanted to bring tradition back and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, he said a lot of the things the Giants fans want to hear. Cool. But are you going to get the job done? And it looked like he actually did start to create a little bit of a culture. Dan Campbell came in. He's like, I'm not going to do all this cold speak, but what I'm going to do is you're going to come in. We're going to, you're going to knock us down and we're going to get up. And when we get up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. And then we're going to come and you knock us down again. We're going to come after the other kneecap. And I'm like, does this guy know he's coaching football or does he think he's like on a boat with like Vikings and stuff? Cause this guy sounds like a freaking maniac uh, <laughs> to me. I think he's a little over in his head. He just kind of rambled when he spoke, but that doesn't just because of your introduction uh, introductory press conference goes a little weird. Doesn't mean you won't be a good coach. I don't know if you got the chance to see it. I mean, your, your, uh, your expectations for Campbell change at all after that uh, press conference there, Matt. Not really, Randy. I think for me, when I take a look at the Detroit Lions, it's a roster with a lot of holes. And to me, this was always a culture hire. He's not the dude that's going to take them to the next level. Um, he's a dude to get them somewhat respectable. Uh, with Patricia, like I said, the, the biggest mistake was firing Caldwell and going to Patricia. I, I don't like very many Patriot coordinators. I think Bill Belichick does way too much for that team to trust their coordinators at this point. So in, in my personal opinion, Dan Campbell can say whatever he wants to say. He's in there for the players, change that culture, change a lot of things about it. But this is a rebuilding team. Jeff Akuda's got to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think Matthew Stafford is going to be gone with beyond a shadow of a doubt. I think mm-hmm. that door is opened. And they're probably going to get two first round picks for him, rightfully so. But this is a rebuilding job for a coach that's going to take them from A to B, not A to C. 
Yeah, I mean, they gave the guy a six-year deal, but they only gave their GM a five-year deal, Brad Holmes. So I don't understand the logic behind that. But uh, ultimately, if they work together, none of those numbers will really mean anything. Um, they they hired Deuce Staley to the staff today as their assistant head coach and running backs coach, which I like that move. He was a good coach for the Eagles, but I don't really know what to make of it. He's getting comparisons to Bill Parcells. We'll let, we'll, let's hold off on that. Um, but he has a, a, a situation right away here because you mentioned Matt Stafford. And the Lions and Matt Stafford have agreed to part ways, which is a pretty big deal because the Lions picked him number one overall after they went 0-16 back in 2008, 2009. He's been their franchise quarterback for over a decade. Obviously, they don't have a playoff win to show for it, despite a couple appearances, but I feel like this is kind of a mistake. However, they did tell Campbell that this is the, the route they're probably going to go, so he knew that coming in. This isn't a shock to him. Um so for me, I don't know, but moving on from Matt Stafford means you need to find a quarterback that can replace him. The Lions have another high draft pick. They could be going that way in the draft. But as you pointed out before the show, Matt, there's is a, this is a whole QB carousel we got going on this year where so many guys could be moving on. Um, the Lions could have their pick of the litter just from free agency or a trade here. Um, where do you see the Lions going here at quarterback now that Matt Stafford seems to be out the door? Definitely through the draft. I think you're going to see them address the quarterback need because really what you're looking at, they're going to trade Stafford. And the reason for the six-year contract is to give Campbell a little bit of comfort to know and let him know that this is going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL for the next probably one or two years. They are going for rock bottom. So they may not draft a quarterback this year. They may put a placeholder in there. Um, Maybe someone like, Jameis Winston. Um, I don't think they trade for Sam Darnold. I think the Jets are going to ride with Sam Darnold, but I could be wrong. And Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen and even Jay Glazer are saying we could see as many 18 quarterbacks change teams this season. And the reports are coming out of Houston that Deshaun Watson, there are no coaches that they could hire that Deshaun Watson's going to stay in Houston. Uh, he's not returning any of Houston's calls. He's not taking any phone calls from any of the coaches that were previously on the staff. He's just, he's really out. And I think I always said that the Texans would, it would be unlikely or they shouldn't trade him. Now I believe more than ever that he is going to be traded. And I don't think he's going to the AFC from what I've been reading. Houston has no desire to keep him in the AFC. They want him out. Some of the big players, Rams, Jared Goff. There's cryptic messages coming out about Jared Goff. I think we both know that San Francisco is moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think they view him as a reliable starter. Drew Brees is probably done in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Is that a job that Jameis Winston's going to get? As Henry Maldonado Jr. has said in our comments, our great and fearless leader <laughs> in a lot of these life groups, he thinks Winston stays in New Orleans, and I do too. Yeah, so, why not? Give him a chance. Yeah, and obviously the Chicago Bears are going to be in the market for a new quarterback. And Jay Glazer reported today that the Bears are going to move heaven and earth to get a franchise quarterback. And the chairman, George McCaskey, went on to a Chicago sports radio and said he wants to pair Matt Nagy with the quarterback for the next 10 years. So that tells me that they are going to pull out all the stops to get Deshaun Watson. Bears fans can't be happy about that. I mean, the draft capital... Like we're talking about Stafford going for two first round picks. I don't, I, I've, I've always heard the floor for Watson's going to be three ones and three twos, depending on where you're picking in the draft. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, so Stafford's 32 now. Uh, 
he's not crazy old. You know, you could say that's still in your prime age there. Uh, but he's got two years left on his deal worth $43 million, which when you look at these, some of these quarterback contracts, isn't that bad. Um, See, so you're talking about a lot of these teams that you just mentioned in the market for Watson are probably the same teams that are going to be interested for Stafford, except I would add the New England Patriots to this list. I would add the Washington football team to this list. Um, I think both of those teams could be looking for quarterbacks. The Saints, um, I mean, Drew Brees hasn't announced it totally yet, but that could be a totally a thing. And the Indianapolis Colts, uh, which we're going to talk about here in a second, are also now without a quarterback. So they, they are, I would say, a quarterback away from being pretty legit contenders in the AFC. Their, their roster is pretty complete from top to bottom. So uh, I don't know. I don't know who the Lions end up with here, but if I had to take a guess on where Stafford ends up, I know our friend Henry wants Stafford on the Niners. And if you want two first round picks for Stafford, I don't really know how likely that is. I don't see the Patriots giving up two first round picks for a 32 year old quarterback either. This feels like a Jets move to me. If the, if, if the Texans are not going to trade a Watson to AFC team, the Jets miss out. I could see them pull the trigger and getting Stafford and green and playing for Roberts a lot. Matt, now my question is for you. Where do you see Matt Stafford ending up here? I'm just connecting the dots. I think he ends up in San Francisco. Okay. I, it, it may not be for two ones, but they're they're going to work something out. And the draft capital is going to be significant in the move because uh, it's going to have to be if the 49ers don't want to include a one. But the Niners know they need a quarterback. I, I just think it's too logical. I mean, look, if, if the if this comes, it all comes down to the Texans to me and what they do, because if the Texans really aren't going to trade Watson to the AFC, that rules out the Jets for Watson. That shows me the Jets can be making a move for another guy, and Stafford feels like the right decision there. All right, uh, and that leads us to another uh, head coaching move. I mean, we got into the Lions there a little bit, but then we have another head coaching hire since the last show we've had. The Eagles hire Nick Sirianni. We kind of came out of nowhere here, but, uh, you know, he was the Colts offensive coordinator. And he was on the uh, the coaching staff when the Eagles won the Super Bowl three years ago. So he had uh, recognition with the franchise already. But, I mean, this name wasn't really going around until the night before the hire. Uh, kind of caught me off guard. But, hey, I guess, you know, the Colts took Frank Reich from Philly. And now they're taking Sirianni back from the Colts. But I think there are better options out there for them to take uh, than this guy. There's so many things that I just want answered. What did the Colts offense show us this year that was like, oh my God, you got to have this guy. Yeah. To, to me, it's, I don't, I don't want to say the buddy system, but they went with somebody they knew once again, under the Andy retreat under the Doug Peterson tree, which ultimately led to Frank Reich's tree with Indianapolis. Um, to me, I, I get that you want the next great offensive mind. And I have to give kudos because I didn't give many kudos to the Jets hire. Robert Sala was such a home run hire. And to me, I, I get so tired of teams just looking at offense and I get offense is important, but we see coaches in this league that not only are offensive minds, but defensive minds that are successful. So, I mean, how Bill Belichick was a defensive coordinator and he built one of the greatest dynasties in the history of football i mean let's just call it what it is so at the same time we see guys like leslie frazier that's available why jim caldwell hasn't gotten another job is a goddamn travesty and then we take a look at eric by enemy who can't i mean he may end up with the texans job they may just hire him if they hear that's who watson's preferred guy is 
but I, I don't think Watson goes back to Houston anyway. And who would wants to go to Houston with Jack Easterby? Like that guy is a cancer in that organization. So with all that being said, it's just these guys and it's the good old boy network and Philly could have done a much better job in my opinion to getting a head coach. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, you got a better offensive coordinator out there right now and Eric Bieniemy, who I have been trying to get a job for the last two years. I have no power, obviously, but uh, I wonder if Bieniemy is going deep in, deep in the playoffs each year affects it a little bit. These teams want to hire coaches early on. I understand that, but you can still hire Bieniemy and let him finish out his contract and then start working on that after the Chiefs win another Super Bowl ultimately. But, uh, you know, Sirianni's 39. All these guys, all these teams want to hire coaches in their 30s now who are young and offensive minds. Uh, this is all because Sean McVay came into the Rams and changed everything uh, four years ago or whatever. Uh, and this is the other thing with the, the Eagles, which kind of surprises me. They dumped Peterson after that whole week 17 debacle. And then this guy is saying he's going to fix Carson Wentz. They committed to Carson Wentz more than they committed to Doug Peterson. And more than it, and now they're now that they're not committing to Jalen Hurts, which surprised me because Jalen Hurts looked pretty good at the end of the year. So now you have two quarterbacks. One looked really bad last year, and the other one actually showed promise. I, Carson Wentz feels like a guy you could have moved on from. I know his contract wasn't that great, but also like the rumors of like Carson Wentz potentially going to the Colts. Maybe this guy was a big reason why like he wanted to work with Carson Wentz. So this could have been part of that. I don't agree with it, but I'm just trying to figure out what to make to make some sense of it. I don't know. I, I just don't like the move at all. Um, well, and, and another young quarterback on the market in Jalen Hurts. What are you going to get? Guess. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get you a first round pick. So he should. Yeah. Absolutely. I think he's proven that this kid can play. He needs some refinement, but the promise is there. This kid can play. He played in some big games. But yeah, I mean, why you choose Carson Wentz over Doug Peterson is a head scratcher to me. I just, he, Carson Wentz didn't win you the Super Bowl. Granted, yeah. he got you to like 11 or 12 wins, yeah. but I, I can't buy this. Nope. And uh, another defensive coordinator name that I always come back to too is Don Martindale from the Ravens. This guy does a great job each and every year. Ravens are among the best defense in the league every single year. He never gets even, like, he gets interviews, but he never really gets seriously considered, which is kind of sad. Uh, all right. So that leaves one team now, Matt, without a coach, and that's the Houston Texans. And we've talked about Sean Watson and the, the mess with Jack Easterby. I mean, whoever gets this job is walking into a disaster of a situation. It might be in the worst spot possible of all the teams in the NFL. Like, I know the Jags are a bad spot, but they have a world world pick. Um, Washington football team's always been poorly run, but it looks like they could, like, have a good roster to work with at least. The Texans, especially after a Deshaun Watson trade, are going to be the worst team in the league. Uh, so if it is Eric Bieniemy, he is going to be set up for failure ultimately from the beginning here. I don't know. Anything changed for you? Do you think it's going to be the enemy? Do you think Leslie Frazier gets the job? A veteran like him could come in there and try to establish some some kind of culture. I don't know where the Texans go here. What do you think? I, I don't think it's going to be by enemy. Uh, I don't trust Jack Easterby to stay out of this. And Jack Easterby and how the Texans got their GM was, you know, they share very friendly with the agents. I, I think somehow it's going to come back to a familiar name within that Patriots coaching tree. Um, but I think it's a blessing in disguise for Eric by enemy not to go to Houston. Yeah. I, I know these jobs are a blessing in disguise, but it can get so bad that you might not ever get another job again if you were to get fired. And I think that's something that has to be taken into consideration here. 
Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, kind of, I think one of the dark horse names here is Jim Caldwell. I, I think Jim Caldwell could end up in Houston, and I don't think it would be the worst thing. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I would I would like Jim Caldwell to get another chance because, like as you mentioned before, he did a nice job with the Lions uh, and got fired for what appeared to be no real reason, honestly. But uh, I have a theory about Biennemi, and I didn't get come up with this. I heard this on another podcast, but – Eric Bieniemy has been a guy who everyone has said should be a frontrunner for any coaching job that he wants. What if he doesn't actually want to leave Kansas City? What if Andy Reid tells him, hey, I got two years left. I'm going to win two more Super Bowls, and then this team is yours. Wouldn't you wait out two years to have Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 years? Because I think I would. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can get God, you know, as your quarterback, <laughs> I mean – Sign me up for that job. I, I think Andy Reid signed a, what was it, a five or seven year extension um, after the Super Bowl last year. So he's old, though. I mean, I mean th- these guys are football lifers. A, yeah. a lot of these guys will coach until the wheels fall off. I mean, th- there are some instances, and he does come from an interesting tree of coaches. Yeah. We're talking Mike Holmgren, who, you know, had a couple of spots, but he didn't coach into his 70s which i think reed would do with this contract yeah i think he's approaching pretty quickly here yeah i mean obviously bill walsh left the game not into his 70s i think he retired somewhere in his 60s so it's a possibility i would probably say reed gives the chiefs three more years and yeah say they three-peat or win four in a row and Reed goes, I got nothing left to prove at this point. Here's Patrick Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> I, I mean, I would take that. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if you could get a cushier job than I don't think so. having Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback <laughs> and Tyreek Hill. Obviously, they got to replace Travis Kelsey. Right. And your theory about running backs are just interchangeable. But they've done a masterful job with the cap. Yep. All these contracts are so team-friendly. I, I don't see why not. Just throwing it out there. Maybe maybe this is something that he wants. I, I'm just trying to make sense of it because if I was a team, I'd be trying to get this guy. Uh, all right, one la- one more uh, news item before we move on. We have a retirement, and it is not true, Breeze. It is Philip Rivers, uh, one of the three quarterbacks draft, one of the three Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks drafted in the 2004 draft. No disrespect to JP Lossman, but sorry, you're not there, bud. Uh, Philip Rivers, after 17 years, 16 with the Chargers and one with the Indianapolis Colts, is hanging it up. Uh, he's a weird uh, religious guy, so he waited until January 20th, which is some has some religious correlation uh, habit here. Uh, thought I did anyway. Anyway, some sort of St. Sebastian related thing, but. Uh, that's his, that's his whole thing. It's also the 13 year anniversary. He played in the AFC title game with a torn ACL. Uh, I got a lot of respect for Philip Rivers. Never could really pull off the big win. He always had the weirdest throwing style I've ever seen. Um, but an ultimate competitor, really fun to listen to Mike up. He's got a very weird religious personality, obviously a big time family man. His refusal to curse in itself is just fascinating to me because it's harder for me to just not curse than it is for me to <laughs> than anything else. So I respect that. But Philip Rivers, I think at this point, uh, he is going to be a Hall of Famer. I might not be first ballot, but I think the numbers and their overall resume and impact in the game is going to get him there. Absolutely. I This 2000, uh, what was it? The 2005 class of quarterbacks? 2004. 2004. Talking Eli Manning, the number one overall pick. And then swap to the Giants, and Philip Rivers went to the Chargers. Um, but both Big of those, ben, obviously, yeah. Well, well, we'll get to Big Ben in a second. I, I do honestly think that Philip Rivers is probably the 
best overall statistical quarterback to come out of that draft class. Probably the best overall quarterback, in my opinion, from beginning to end. Um, I know you have some theories about Big Ben, and I agree with them. Um, I <laughs> Look, mean, I, I don't think there's a doubt that Big Ben walked into the best situation of all three of these quarterbacks. And he's done the same as Eli and could have done way more. And I think he, they could have had a Patriots-level dynasty if Big Ben had the work ethic and the tenacity as Tom Brady did. And that's fair. I mean, they should have been the team to beat the Patriots. Yep. It, it should have been them. Um, but, you know, for, for whatever reason, it didn't turn out the way it turned out. But, but Philip Rivers not winning a Super Bowl kind of doesn't feel right. You know, at the end of the day, you look at that guy and he's like, man, he should have won a Super Bowl. And I, I kind of put him in that category. He's not Dan Marino. He, he's not that good. I, I don't even think Philip Rivers is a top 20 all-time quarterback. I don't even. Just outside the top 20, though, is probably where his place would go. But just a fantastic career. Belongs in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, if it, I, overall, I think you could make the argument he's kind of a stat compiler similar to Eli was, but he has much better stats than Eli does. Better winning percentage, less turnovers. I think those things matter ultimately. Eli has the ring advantage, and I think that that is Eli's legacy is getting those two championships. So I don't think either of those guys are first ballot Hall of Famers. Ultimately. I don't think Eli, when they had five years, is going to get in right away. They didn't put Terrell Owens in right away, and I think Terrell Owens is a top five wide receiver ever. So I think both of these guys are in the 20 range of quarterbacks all time, and I think they both get in, but maybe it is a second or third time around on the ballot. And then that's just the way it's going to be. And both these guys deserve to be in there. So does Big Ben down the road whenever he is eligible. So congratulations to Philip Rivers on a wonderful career. Uh, Well-deserved 17 years. Hell of a job. I mean, playing with a torn ACL is no joke. I tore my ACL playing football. I have no idea how he did that. Uh, Maybe some needles, maybe he's just adrenaline. I don't know, but Hey, not a lot of guys do that. So credit to him for that. I mean, we saw Jake Cutler riding a stationary bike with a torn MCL. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're you're talking about toughness levels at that point and heart at that point, and you know, Jay Color pretty much has neither of those things. So, <clears throat> all right, uh, Jay Color in the news over the weekend, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, <laughs> not going to talk about that in our news. No. All right, now we have football to talk about. The NFC Championship, the first game on Sunday, and it is a stunner. The Green, <laughs> the Green Bay Packers came in, and I thought for sure, and you did too, that they looked the part. They looked great. They were ready to to culminate Aaron Rodgers' career with another chance at the Super Bowl. And the, 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 I got to say, uh, the, uh, the Buccaneers came out and just punched them in the mouth right away. They came down the field and drove down the field and scored a touchdown on the very first uh, drive, which in, in the cold weather, we thought that might have affected them. It did not. Tampa Bay ultimately wins this game 31-26. to 26. And, you know, I think this was a really entertaining game. It wasn't a perfect game by any means. I think both quarterbacks made some big time mistakes. Tom Brady had three brutal interceptions that the Packers could not capitalize on. But at one point, Matt, I want to say at halftime, the Bucks were up 28 to 10. They had an 18 point lead after Brady hit Scotty Miller on a 50 yard bomb. And they're playing single coverage for some reason. I don't know why you're not playing prevent at that point. They only had four seconds left or whatever. The Packers defense just, Watching what the Saints did to them the previous week, we're not prepared to play the Bucs in this situation. I was legitimately shocked at the score at halftime, Matt. I know that you loved the Packers too. What did you make of this first half? So thank you, NFL, for getting the game tape to me early. Like, (laughs) that was a blessing in disguise. So the issues that I saw is, first of all, the Packers have one of the most overrated secondaries in the entire NFL. Just Mm -hmm. watching it. Kevin King's atrocious in man-to-man. He can't cover man-to-man. He gets beat on the double move every time. So Jair Alexander is by far their best cover corner. 
I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, it escapes me. Number 39, I believe it was. Played a terrible game. A Adrian Amos, you know, I know he had an interception, but he blew plenty of coverage as well. So a lot of the issues you see with the Packers defensively, they play this weird two down linemen. And I know the Chiefs do it sometimes too, and some teams do it, but that that's their primary thing. Um, interesting side note on the touchdown pass to Scotty Miller, I believe it was, the Packers tried running this twist. And a twist is basically one man goes in, one man goes out, but it's opposite directions. Both guys were occupying the same space. Like one was right behind the other and it allowed Brady to shift a little bit to the left and hit the pass. And to me, fundamentally, the Packers defensive scheme is broken. I, I don't think you can win big games. Um, I, I will say, I don't know how on earth Brady throws three consecutive interceptions on back to back to back drives. Th that should have been the game when you have three interceptions, three turnovers total, and you only score six points and the bucks get two turnovers and they score 14. There's difference. your difference. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I mean, Brady overall, 20 to 36, uh, 280 yards, three touchdowns and those three picks. And they were brutal. I mean, one of them in the, in the red zone, even mm -hmm. uh, they could have taken an even bigger lead. And uh, like you said, the Packers could not capitalize and Rogers for the most part played pretty well, 33 of 48, 346 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. He did not get help from his wide receivers. I thought Devontae Adams had a drop in the end zone, which was absolutely killer early on. Uh, Aaron Jones left this game after getting smoked and fumbling the ball early on in this game too. Uh this is a game of mistakes and it's about who can capitalize on those mistakes better. And it was the bucks. However, the Packers had a chance. They were down 31 to 23 late in this game. And I'm just going to jump to this point because we have a few other things we'll talk about in this game. And it's third down and goal from like the eight yard line or so. And Rogers has dropped back. Everyone's covered. And he has a lane as wide as the freaking Moses could have made this lane for him. And he could have been running still right now. And he doesn't run, and instead he forces a ball into double coverage that bounces. And so it's fourth and goal. You live to play another day, fine, whatever. You didn't think you could make it, whatever. All right, you got another chance to fourth down. And Matt LaFleur, for some freaking reason, decides to kick a field goal. There's like two and a half minutes left in this game. So there are a couple of things wrong with this decision. You're down eight points. You need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Regardless of what happens here, you, you get a touchdown, two-point conversion, great. It's a tie game. You kick a field goal. Um, you're relying on your defense to get a stop, and you also still need a touchdown. <laughs> it doesn't help you that you only need a field goal. No, you still need to come down and get a freaking touchdown. It makes no sense to do this move, and I'm still wondering what the hell happened here. Um, I don't know. Can you make sense of this, Matt? I don't know if you can. You're a really smart football guy. It drove me nuts that they didn't even try to go for it on fourth down because guess what? You get the, If you get a stop after the fourth down attempt, you still got to get the ball back and score a touchdown. So what is the difference? All you did was give the Bucks better field position. So it's so stupid. I got to take a deep breath on this <laughs> because I, I always say, KYP, know your personnel. You have Aaron fucking Rodgers. Like, just a phenomenal season. One of the most accurate passers to ever play this game. Mm -hmm. Second you have to know who you're playing against. Some people call him the GOAT, and that's fine, <clears throat> you know, to each their own. I, I'm not going to get into that debate here. But you're playing against Tom fucking Brady, who's shown you, I don't know how many times, I don't know how much more evidence 
you need from Tom Brady that you are you're probably not getting that ball back, you know, at, at the end of this. What they did, what Matt LaFleur did on, on, on this play is stupid. It's stupid. It cost them a chance for even overtime. Yeah. I, no, no matter what Aaron Rodgers did at, to that point, he's Aaron Rodgers. You give that man that fourth down play. You just give it to him because that's who he is. He has a body of work second to none. And you're right. Aaron Rodgers didn't put him in this mess. The defense couldn't make stops. When they got those three interceptions, the offensive line played like shit. The wide receivers were dropping balls. And I thought to myself, Randy, I'm like, what is the difference when, you know, if Aaron Rodgers was to leave Green Bay and it's never going to happen, Rodgers is never going to leave Green Bay until Jordan Love is ready, which is probably not for another two years. And I was like, man, Aaron Rodgers has it all. And then I look at Alan Lazard. Then I look at Valdez Scantling. Then, you know, Amequius St. Brown. I can't ever pronounce his first name. (laughs) These guys don't help. They're all kind of like big body wide receivers. They don't get out of breaks quickly. And they don't have sure hands. Devontae Adams is the best of the bunch. And Devontae Adams is great. But Rodgers has to have that slot receiver. The loss of Randall Cobb, I know he's not what he was, but you never replaced him. So now you just give Aaron Rodgers these big lumbering wide receivers that can't catch, but they do have speed. And I'm sorry, Tampa Bay's defense, uh, they were burning those corners, especially Davis. The teams go after Davis more than anybody I've ever seen. And he got yep. beat 15 times. I counted in this game on streak routes. Yep. So n- now you take a look at <sighs> Rogers. He put the ball wherever it needed to be. And I know people are going to hang on to those four losses in the NFC title game. First of all, Aaron Rodgers can't stop, you know, the San Francisco 49ers run game. He doesn't play defense. You know, and the 49ers had one of those, one of the greatest offensive or defensive lines in the history of football with Joey Bosa, um, DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead for whatever that's worth. But I I just, I don't understand the Aaron Rodgers hate. Like it's a team game. People want to single out quarterbacks. First of all, quarterbacks get way too much credit and way too much blame. They make a hell of a lot of difference. They're a giant eraser, but if you can't stop anybody, it's, it's, it can't be on the quarterback. It's not on the quarterback alone. And also Aaron Rodgers had Mike McCarthy as his head coach. The fact that he dragged McCarthy's ass to a Super yeah. Bowl is yep. impressive as hell. And Nick Bosa, sorry, Henry. Nick <laughs> Bosa, Joey Bosa, I don't care. Personally, they're both assholes. But yes, Nick Bosa. Uh, I was going to get back to the field real quick. This is my thing. And Matt, Mike McCarthy point taken. Matt LaFleur deserves to just get absolutely destroyed for this decision because you take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, which Aaron Rodgers said after the game, he only made that decision on third down to not run because he thought he was going to have a chance at fourth down to make another play. Still doesn't justify not running to me. I thought he had a lane, whatever. But you're trusting your defense that has been getting torched all game to get a stop and not just a stop to hold them to a field goal. You need to hold them to a three and out. And they have you have four timeouts. You have your three and then the two-minute warning. 
this is Tom Brady. All he needs is a first down. That makes no sense. It drives me up a wall that he decided to take the ball out of his best player's hands, which I would argue the best player, Aaron Rodgers, and then Devontae Adams. You shouldn't make that fourth down play no matter what. Devontae Adams, I don't care if he's double covered. I'm throwing it to him. I want that ball in no one else's hands than Devontae Adams. And then the, the trusting of the defense makes absolutely no sense to me. It obviously leads to the situation that we're going to talk about now. And Packers fans are mad, but I don't think this is the difference in the ballgame. Uh, it's third down and four. Brady lofts the ball up to uh, – what's his name here? Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but one of the receivers, and he's getting held uh, while he's – running across the field. I don't know if it was, yeah, I think it was Godwin. Maybe it was Tyler Johnson, yeah. but uh, Brady notices that his jersey's being pulled and just throws it thinking the refs are going to see that. At first they don't throw the flag. The ball wasn't really catchable at all. Mind you, uh, the refs don't throw it right away. And then everyone's like all up in arms. They decide to throw the flag, call pass interference, give the bucks first down. Do I think it's the right call? Yes. The problem is that the Packers fans have and everyone else has is that you let the, these receivers play all game. The Bucks got away with a pa- uh, pass interference on an interception on Rodgers. They got away with another holding play that wasn't incomplete. Um, and the whole time you think, well, okay, this is the NFC Championship. You're going to let these guys play. And you call that one, which I didn't think could have been completed even if he didn't grab his jersey. I don't have a total issue with the call. I just wanted more consistency. But when you pull on the jersey, you make it easy for the officials to make that call. But the call was late, so I understand. But if you're a Packers fan, I'm sorry. This is not the reason you lost this game. You lost this game because you put your defense in the situation to begin with, and you had three turnovers in a row, and you could not capitalize off those turnovers. That is why you lost this game. Matt, did you? what did you make of this whole officiating controversy that you have here? I don't think it's too much of a controversy. Look, if the Saints got didn't get away with the uh, – couldn't get the call last time when the guy gets smoked before the ball even gets there, this call uh, is insane compared to that one. My, my thoughts on this are pretty simple. You know, all year, both of these teams have been on the right side of all the flags. So I I really don't care. You know, you can complain about it all you want. Don't tug on the jersey. First of all, I I think that ball was catchable, Randy. If you see where the wide receiver was trying to go, he was trying to run up the field and the jersey made him go side to side because he wasn't able to, you know, break away from that. And it stopped his ability to run to get underneath the ball. So, I, I mean... That's the thing when you take a look at Tom Brady, though, is like he'll see it and he'll throw it. And the refs, more often than not, will be like, oh, well, Tom Brady threw it there. And then, okay, I kind of saw it. So, okay, let's go ahead and throw the flag. I I, I agree with you. Another thing I wanted to touch on was what Leon asked in the comment section was what do we think about the two-point conversion? This game was lost by a lot of coaching decisions by Matt LaFleur. You don't chase points when you don't have to at that time. There was no reason to go for that two-point conversion at that time because guess what? Let's say it's, you know, instead of 25 to 28, it would have been 28 to 24. Okay, that's fine. And we saw the Bucks kick the field goal, so they got to 31. Then you score a touchdown, and all you have to do is get the extra point, and it's 31-31. It, it changed how they had to approach the game at that point. But you go for two on there, and then like Leon said, you have to go for it on fourth down at that point. You set the precedent of being aggressive. The Packers put themselves in this situation. You're absolutely right. But once again, when your defense is not that good, we've seen it. When the Packers play against teams that are at full strength, I think their defense gets exposed a little bit. So to me, I I just think you can quit whining about the refs. The refs didn't lose you this game. No, they didn't. And 
And Leon did say, you know, you could pick up a flag. There's a precedent for that. Here's the problem is that it's when there's two minutes left and you throw a flag, no matter what, a team's going to be angry. And, you know, you have Aaron Rodgers screaming at your face on the sideline for throwing the flag. If you pick up the flag, you're going to have Tom Brady in your face screaming at you for picking up the flag. It took you forever to throw the flag to begin with. I probably would have just kept it in my pocket and not thrown it and then seen maybe what the Packers could have done. But if you're like, I, I don't care. Like, this is what happens with like fans. They think all oh, the whole game comes out one play, and that's why we didn't win. Like, you lost this game because of the dumb decisions your head coach made, and the, the fact that you couldn't capitalize on mistakes by the Bucks. Like, teams not capitalizing on mistakes and making mistakes on their own is why teams lose games. Officiating, it can be as bad as ever, but it's not why teams win and lose games. I'm sorry, it's just not. Uh, there's so many plays that happens in a game, and you can control the outcome. If the officiating is so bad, then kill the team. It doesn't matter how bad the officiating was. Like the next game we're going to talk about, the Chiefs killed the Bucks, and the officiating was garbage and didn't matter because they already won. They took care of business. So, anyway. Uh, a couple things about the quarterbacks. Rodgers, now 1-4 in the NFC title game, and he's now lost four consecutive uh, conference title games. And I said this last week, I really felt like this was a Rodgers legacy game. I thought this game mattered so much more to him than it did to Tom Brady. And I know it's a team game and you give the quarterback too much credit or you give the quarterback too much blame. At the end of the day, the quarterback's the most important position in, in, the, in all sports. We know this. At some point, uh, I would have loved for him to run that touchdown in and then convert on the two-point conversion and somehow figure out a way to win it overtime. But that didn't happen. And unfortunately, now Rodgers has, still has one Super Bowl to show for it, and it's been over 10 years now since it happened. Don't you take a little bit into that? And like, I'm not blaming him for the loss, but I think it hurts him a little bit, the fact that he can't get back to another Super Bowl. I, I just think it's really uh, revisionist history to look at Aaron Rodgers and what he's done and to label him a choke artist. Like I said, I'm not calling him a choker. I just think that it's unfortunate that this guy who is a legend can't get to another Super Bowl. I mean, Tom Brady's been in the NFC one year now and has as many NFC championship points as he does. But, I mean, I, I would take a look at the Bucks roster and I'd take a look at the Packers roster and I'd say the Bucks have a better roster than the Packers. Yeah, I'd I say mean, offensively, yeah. Well, and defensively. I mean, I'm not in love with the Packers DBs. I'm not in love with the uh, um, Bucks DBs, but – so that white kid at linebacker Devin White is amazing yeah I mean he is a freaking beast and he's a difference maker uh Sue showed up a little bit Shaq Barrett is better than any pass rusher the Packers have I mean we could go back to last year Randy and talk about you know that that 49ers team was so good it was really good and I don't think we give that team enough credit. They have a better quarterback. They probably beat the Chiefs in that Super Bowl. And I don't think that's a stretch. So Aaron Rodgers lost to probably one of the better teams that we're going to see in the next five to 10 years. And, and then the Mike McCarthy years. I, I don't know how anyone wants to hold that against Aaron Rodgers after drug. I mean, there's documents that Aaron Rodgers had to draw plays up in the huddle because he knew McCarthy was a fucking bumbling idiot that didn't know what the hell he was doing. So I, I don't think Rogers should get all this blame. It's just, it's not. No, I'm not giving him all the blame. I just think it's a little disappointing that he couldn't get to another Super Bowl. I feel like, you know, there were a couple of times we could have, we should have had Rogers versus Brady and uh, we should have had Rogers versus Mahomes. And that's like, would have been incredible Super Bowl matchups. And, you know, I feel like that was taken from us. I mean, I will say Favre only made one Super Bowl two, um, his whole time there, or maybe it was two. two. He made two and then he lost the other one. But um, look, 
I, I don't think it affects Rogers legacy. I don't think he's overrated. I think he has three MVPs. He's going to be top 10 in every passing category ever. And he's only 37. So he's still going to play for, you know, however long Brady's 43 for, for Christ's sake. So I mean, if you wanted to play that long, he probably. Yeah, he definitely probably could play that could. long. Uh, I think the Packers have ultimately failed him more than he's failed them. What's that? Uh, I was just saying, yeah. I, 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 I just. Yeah, no, I was just saying that Rodgers can definitely play until, you know, his mid-40s. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I just I, – it just feels a little disappointing that he couldn't make it back to another Super Bowl. And it's – unfortunately, it's going to be something that gets pinned on him. And being one and four in a title game, ultimately – uh, you could blame him a little bit. But I think the Seahawks game is more you can blame him for. Maybe the, the Falcons game, but the Falcons did score 40-some points. But uh, the Seahawks game is probably the biggest indictment. But this game, I really felt like the Packers should have won. And the Bucks came out, and they had the swagger about them. And they came down, they weren't afraid of the Packers, which I thought the Packers had this mojo about them in the divisional round, but they don't have the defense the defense to, to intimidate teams. And the Bucks came out and showed that, hey, we're not scared of this the secondary or this pass rush. Uh, and the other quarterback in this game, obviously, is uh, Thomas Edward Brady Jr. Uh, and you don't consider him the GOAT, but I certainly do. This is his 10th Super Bowl appearance. I mean, he's been in the league 19 years. I mean, he's been in the Super Bowl more than half of his career. That is ridiculous. There are teams that have never made the Super Bowl in their careers. If he wins this, he'll have more Super Bowls than every other franchise in the history of the sport. Look, I know there's some things you can question about his legacy, but damn. I don't know how the hell he's doing this at 43. I walk up the stairs and get winded. Uh, the fact he's 43 and still doing this, much respect. I got I got nothing but respect for Tom Brady. Yeah, I think Brady deserves an enormous amount of respect. Uh, the guy plays football. I mean, there's a deterioration in skills. You can't tell me you watched that game and didn't. I mean, if this was five years ago, I mean, Brady wouldn't have thrown three interceptions. Like, like Those three interceptions were awful. I mean, a lack of arm strength, lack of accuracy. He was overthrowing Mike Evans, which is hard to do. But, you know, the Bucks are smart. And what Brady lacks in arm strength and ability right now is that he's, he's making up with intelligence. I mean, I, Brady's one of the smarter quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, my, my issue with the GOAT thing, Randy, is it's totally subject to how a person views somebody. You know, is Brady the most talented quarterback to ever play the position? No. I mean, yeah. it might have been Aaron Rodgers, honestly. He might have been looking at the guy yeah, in, uh, in this game. Yeah, that, that might be it. And, you know, is Bill Belichick one of the greatest coaches that ever coached the game? Yeah. And Brady had the benefit of being paired with him. Yeah. Coaching makes a difference. You know, Brady <sighs> probably played with the most physically dominant tight end in the history of the NFL and Rob Gronkowski. He had Randy Moss. He had Wes Welker. He had Julian Edelman. These are really, really good players. And it goes back to having talent around you. So to to me, in my opinion, is strictly this. I I think Brady deserves a lot of credit for dragging the Bucs here because he is that sort of guy, one that shows him how to be mature. You know, he expects a certain amount of mature maturity from a team that severely lacks it. I, I think with Bruce Arians, it's kind of like the Wild West. And Brady kind of brings that calming, no, you're not pulling that shit here. So, I mean, Brady's a consummate leader. I, I give him a lot of credit for that. You know, regardless of my feelings from 2000 to 2007, it doesn't really matter. His, his resume after that is equally as impressive. I'll say this about, I would say this about Brady though. All those guys you mentioned, Brady took a pay cut 
every year to get these guys and pay these guys and surround himself with this talent. I know, I mean, not, not, not a lot of quarterbacks are doing that. Like Rodgers said the other day, like, I want more money. Like maybe Rodgers should well, take a pay cut and they get him another he, weapon. I mean, there's, that's part of this. He was on the Pat McAfee show today and he denied that. So I'm going to take Rodgers for his word. He said there's things that have to, that has to be worked out and he hasn't even discussed it with the team on how his contract will be handled. He said he'll have that conversation. It's one, it's two days after the NFC title game. So I'm not going to buy that story. So I, I, I honestly believe at this point in time, you know, just taking a look at the totality of things, football players have a short career. All right. Just like every other sport, you do this for a limited amount of time. Brady can do that. And God bless Brady for doing it. If that's what he wants to do. His wife is also makes like four times the amount of money he does. That helps. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> yeah, that changes a lot of things. You when you don't have to be the breadwinner, you know. Aaron Rodgers needs that money. He has other interests in life. I'm not going to fault a person for trying to capitalize off their talent. And I, I think it's a real shame. And I saw it in our football life group. And I don't know who posted it, but I think it's a shame that people would question someone else's pockets. I'm just saying, throwing it out there. Hey, I mean, uh, ultimately you make a lot of money as is. So if you want to succeed, the pay cut you would take probably doesn't affect things too much. Maybe I'm wrong, but regardless, uh, Brady to wrap a bow on this, Brady took the team with the worst winning percentage as a franchise to ever play in the Super Bowl in the Bucks. now, uh, who were seven and nine last year were uh, just a mess. I mean, Jameis Winston was just out there throwing picks for every touchdown. It was hilarious, but ultimately disorganized. And he came in and buttoned everything up and got this team to where they are now. So, uh, look, Henry asked comments. And I, we're kind of rambling out here. I just want to ask. He said, who do you think is the QB GOAT? And I think this is two separate conversations. I, I think you look at overall legacy and career and success in one's career, and you look at the most talented. I think they're two different conversations. Because like you said, I don't think Brady was the most physically imposing guy. I don't think he's the greatest talent that we ever saw, but he's been into he's in the 10 Super Bowls now. He's got six of them. It's ridiculous how much success Tom Brady has had. And obviously situation has a lot to do with that and coaching and talent around you, but no, no player in the history of football has had a better career than Tom Brady. And I don't think it's even close. So I would say Tom Brady is the actual goat, but I don't think he's the most talented, most talented probably goes to, uh, Dan Marino probably goes to John Elway, probably maybe Aaron Rodgers. And now you're looking at Pat Mahomes, who could be both. I don't know. We'll find that out probably 10 years or so. But to me, uh, I would say Tom Brady is the goat. I mean, I will say Tom Brady is the most accomplished NFL quarterback in the history of the NFL. It's not close. I mean, I I don't know how anyone could – yeah. Yeah, but I don't look look at accomplishments as something like this. To me, there's three guys I watched, Randy, in my life that literally dragged a dead-ass team that couldn't do jack shit into another stratosphere. One, Peyton Manning. For, for my money, uh, Peyton Manning was one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen play. And then after that, we're talking guys like John Elway and, of course, Aaron Rodgers. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think we all have the same similar names in mind here when we talk about great quarterbacks. And Peyton Manning changed the game forever. And his legacy is that, and it always will be that, the, the pre-snap stuff and how smart he was in the anticipation. Like, Peyton will always do that. But Peyton, you can talk about Rodgers choking in the playoffs, but Peyton had more one-and-done losses than anyone. Uh, Peyton choked in the playoffs a ton. And uh, that, that you know, you're going to criticize Rodgers. Maybe you should criticize Peyton for that as well. All right, I mean, that, that kind of wraps up well in the NFC Championship game because that was the, the game of the weekend. That was the entertaining game with the two legendary quarterbacks. Um, I, I questioned that game going on first because I kind of thought the AFC Championship game had blowout potential, and I know you did too. And uh, that's obviously what happened here. Uh, the Chiefs were nice enough to start spot the Bills nine points in the first quarter. Uh, Nicole Hardman had a muffed punt that led to a touchdown, and then I don't necessarily always think that one play changes uh, momentum, maybe a turnover of some kind, but uh, that missed extra point, and it's crazy how a kicker of all things can do this, but that missed extra point felt like a momentum swing because the Bills needed every point they possibly could get in this game uh, to contain the Chiefs. Uh, and then it was just an avalanche after that. Uh, the Bills score, <laughs> the Bills are up 9 nothing, and in the second quarter, the Chiefs just come out and score 21 unanswered and go up 21-9 at halftime. Uh, and, hey, uh, we questioned Pat Mahomes with the with the concussion and with the turf toe. <laughs> he looked freaking fine to me. Uh, he looked like good old Pat Mahomes, and it just kind of solidifies to me that the Chiefs were doing what I thought they were doing all year and just coasting until it, it mattered. The Chiefs are scary on, on so many <laughs> different funny. things. And, I mean, I, I always joked – well, I didn't joke around, but, I mean, when I said that, you know, they could go 16-0 and 0, – I really meant it. Like I wasn't kidding around. If they're interested and they want to win every game they play, they can win every game they play. It's just a matter of will. Of course, they lost to the Raiders and it was kind of a sloppy game for Mahomes. And then they lost the last game of the season, which was really just that they locked everything up at that point. It wasn't worth mentioning. So I, I, I compare you know, if you guys have seen The Matrix, I compare Patrick Mahomes to Neo. He's like Neo in The Matrix. He sees things that no one else sees. He can do things that no one else can do. Um, you know, our good friend Vince Mercandetti from Dong City says that he doesn't believe he has ligaments in his arm because <laughs> the way he can bend his joints. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, it's somewhat almost true. Like the guy can throw from any platform with any amount of arm strength. It just, he's so advanced. You don't see quarterbacks like this coming to the NFL. And I know that he sat a year, and I think that year was immensely helpful for him mentally. Oh, absolutely. But Jesus Christ, Randy, uh, it's, you know, I mean, God forgive me, but like, it's like watching God play quarterback <laughs> because he is so good and he does so many different things. And he's such a good teammate. I, I think the thing that separates things, I don't think Brady has much longer in the game for the players' personalities. Brady was so good with his era when he was in his prime because you could get fire with guys. You could chew them out. Yep. Um, it's, it's just different types of guys now. You know, they may not respond the same way to yelling. And that's fine. You know, everyone's different. And, you know, different generations. And I'm not criticizing it. You just have to have different types of leadership. Pat Mahomes is like the guy's like, okay, you know what? You made a mistake. Let's go get him. Like Harden. I love that. I love that on the sideline. He's like, hey, you're going to make a play in this game. Don't get over it. You know, we're going to need you to make a play. And he did. And that's what we talk about. All the tools at quarterback. He has everything. 
Yeah. Everything at quarterback. And that's why I think when it's all said and done, when we talk about go, it's going to be Mahomes. You know, Brady probably has a 15 year stranglehold on this thing, but it's going to be Mahomes when it's all said and done. If he can hold up physically, then I, I have no doubt in that for sure. Um, I mean, maybe he can wear down a little easier than Brady did because he's a little bit more mobile, but we'll see. Uh, but Mahomes in this game, 29 to 38, 325 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, the turf toe looked fine. Didn't look like he was boozy at all with the concussion or anything. He looked uh, incredible, and the Chiefs did as well. Um, the Chiefs are just so fast, and they run plays differently than everyone else. Um, they run those long crossing routes, and I, I, I don't love Tony Romo, but he really explained it well where he – He's like, most guys run go routes. They just run as fast as they can down the field. The Chiefs tell Tyreek Hill to run as fast as he can across the field. How do you defend that? I mean, you can't. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. And Mahomes, and we talk, I talked about it in our group chat, but like he drops back. There'll be a, a free rusher right in his face. He just like sidesteps and the sidearm throw. Like be third seven. He throws a perfect 13 yards to Travis Kelsey. It's insane what he could do. And he, he really is – he processes things, information so quickly and is able to make plays based off of that. Uh, it's almost like he knows what's coming, unbelievably enough. And maybe he does. Maybe there are some things that we don't know. But uh, <laughs> he's got this mind that is incredible. And Henry asks in the comments, like, how have so many teams missed him in the draft? He went, what, 15th overall, I believe? 10th. Uh, 10th overall. Look, I mean, top 10 is a pretty good note, but uh, – they, did they trade up to – no, they, the Watson was the trade, right? No, they did trade yep, up to get him. Yep, they trade up from the mid-20s. So they obviously saw something, but why, like that whole draft, all the quarterbacks had flaws. Like They weren't sold on any of them. And Mahomes arguably was the biggest project. Like They were like, he needs a lot of work. He's totally unfinished. He needs to get refined. He needs better accuracy, like all this stuff. And he landed in the greatest situation possible. Like you sit down for a year, you play behind Alex Smith. You kind of learn how to be a professional quarterback. Uh, you have Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy just instilling this offense that is capable to be the most ridiculous offense ever. And they're like, Hey, we're going to sit you for a year. Just kind of take it all in. We have the fastest receiver for you, the best tight end for you. And when you're ready to play, we're going to do this. And and they have a, a great offensive line, too, even with Mitchell Schwartz out. The offensive line is still great. Um, look, I'm not saying Pat Mahomes wouldn't be great on another team, but it helps that he landed on the Chiefs. <laughs> I think anyone denies that at this point. I mean, they are set up for success, and he's been set up for success. Uh, and I'll use Deshaun Watson as an example, where Sean Watson was drafted to a team where he wasn't set up for success. And he had a terrible coach and GM, which happened to be the same person. He had a great wide receiver to throw to, and then they trade him out the door, and then trade all their draft picks for a left tackle. So just quickly, how well your organization is run will determine how successful your QB is. And Deshaun, to Deshaun's credit, like he still had a great year despite going four and twelve. But Mahomes were drafted into an organization that is just unbelievable and he is unbelievable and they are just unbelievable and they're going to run the league for the next decade this is going to hurt a lot of bears fans but um because i know a lot of bears fans hate matt Nagy, and matt Nagy has taken a large share of the blame but i'm not sure if it was the gm who mentioned this or if it was andy reed but matt Nagy was tasked with scouting all the quarterbacks and they revealed his scouting report he said Deshaun Watson is going to be the most pro-ready, you know, he, he's going to be a really, really good NFL quarterback. He said of Mahomes, he has generational talent. And he said Mitch Trubisky was a project quarterback that needs a lot of help. Oof. He nailed almost all three of those scouting reports. <laughs> 
Uh, and here he is, the Bears head coach, and everyone wants to run around town, rightfully or wrongfully so. It doesn't matter. But the Chiefs saw it. Like, everyone in the Chiefs organization saw how good Patrick Mahomes was going to be, and they believed in him. And that makes a hell of a lot of difference. When you draft a guy and you believe in him and that's your guy, um, you know. You have this vision with him. They saw it from the very beginning, what they, what he could become, and they made it happen. And it's a big-time credit to him and yeah. credit to the organization in general. Yeah, it's a good organization. And, you know, talk about not doing your quarterback any help. I mean – John Fox was a lame duck head coach. They, yeah. they knew he was gone. John Fox wanted Deshaun Watson. Brian Pace drafts Mitch Trubisky. Like, what the fuck here? You know, it, it, it's infuriating. But to that point, you know, Randy, it's the Chiefs. We said it all year. There's different gears. Every NFL team has different gears. The Chiefs have two gears higher than everybody else. Yeah. And, it's, and the Bills could not stop it. Once that avalanche comes... And it comes every game. Yep. They just roll you. And I know it was the whole thing where they won all these games close and they, they didn't look so good. Look, the last 27 games that mattered, the Chiefs won 26 of them. The last 27 games Pat Mahomes started, he won all but one. And uh, the, the Patriots literally did this for 15 years and we never learned our lesson. Every year they would just coast through the regular season. Oh, they don't look that good. Oh, they're kind of bad. Brady looks like crap. And then they turn it on in the playoffs and they shut everyone down. They're just smarter and better than everyone running all these plays and they didn't run all regular season. Chiefs did the exact same thing here. They're like, we know we're better than everyone. We're going to make a couple plays at the end to win every game. doesn't matter how well we look the rest of the game. We're going to reserve ourselves for when it matters the most. And that's what they did. If Pat Mahomes doesn't leave that Browns game, they probably win that game by 20 points. Like, they won the game with Chad freaking play quarterback. <laughs> it should have been a sign that was like, all right, well, even a 50% Pat Mahomes are going to roll. But anyway, the Chiefs are ridiculous. Um, I don't know how anyone could question them at this point. They are insane. They're so clutch. They're so well they've been able, their offense is ridiculous. And Vince pointed this out in our chat the other day, our friend Vince Mercadetti. When their defense wants to care, it's pretty good. <laughs> like they've had moments in the regular season where they're just like, eh, okay, whatever. When they are like when Tyron Matthew is in, engaged and, and Chris Jones is engaged, like when they want to play well, they play pretty well. And I thought they played really well in this game too. Uh, their their defense is pretty underrated, if you ask me. And they have a ton of talent all over the place obviously so and defense is the same thing they win this game 38 to 24 and i'm going to shift gears now we're talking about we're going to talk about a lot about the chiefs in a couple weeks but the bills if you're a bills fan i have a lot of Bills fans in my life and i live near western i not live that close to western new york but close enough look the bills did an unbelievable job this year uh if you're a fan of the bills you have nothing to be ashamed of um you should be proud of the team. I mean, look, you went 26 years without even making it to this point. You won two playoff games. You developed a quarterback that I thought was a lost cause, and I think you did too, to look like a guy who could be pretty good in this league for a while. So then here's now here's the problem. <laughs> you see everything that Mahomes is and how incredible he is. This is the game you kind of saw with Josh Allen isn't. And I know he had an unbelievable year, and I think everyone was waiting for the Chiefs that lost to come for the Chiefs. I was waiting for this game for Allen to happen because uh, he had been playing with fire a little bit here and there, and they could have won 12 in a row. I know, but he does some things in games that just don't, that are just not great. Look, he took four sacks this game and lost 53 yards on, on them. And he took two of the worst sacks I've ever seen in my life. He loses 12 plus yards on each of them. Look, it's okay to go down or throw the ball out of bounds and live to play another day. 
he had one interception. I thought he could have had three. Uh, the, the Chiefs straight up dropped two of them. Uh, I thought they had Allen's number here. They knew what was coming, but I'll give this to Josh Allen. The guy never quits on a play, which is also why he takes all these sacks or he loses a bunch of yards. And uh, he's going to try to make a play regardless of who's coming down and trying to, to bring him down. So I'll give him that. He's a great competitor, had an unbelievable year, nothing to be ashamed of. But I think Josh Allen can learn from these few games here where he made a ton of like fixable mistakes. I think now next year you got to come back and not take these sacks and not make some of these throws. And I'll say this, Matt, Matt before I give you the floor, I said all year Stephon Diggs has been their MVP. He has six or 77 on 11 targets, kind of gets shut down, and Josh Allen does this. I don't think that's a coincidence. Really, you have to give a ton of credit to the Kansas City secondary. Yeah. Very underrated, and they played a hell of a game. Uh, my thoughts on Josh Allen are complicated, I would say, at this point, Randy. Um, my issue with the sacks is it happened last year in the playoff game against Houston. This, when you blitz Josh Allen, and for any young quarterback, that's one of the last traits to really develop is being able to handle the blitz. Uh, because it's frenetic thinking. You get so wound up, everything speeds up so quickly where you see a lot of the great quarterbacks there, even when they blitz, the game is still slow for them. Josh Allen made ginormous strides. I, I don't think that's, you know, I've been the hardest on Josh Allen out of anybody I've heard. Yes, you have. <laughs> and I, he's proved me wrong in some instances and then he's proved me right in other instances. I know, you know, people may expect me to trash him after this game. Look, I don't think it's fair for me to come on here and just bury Josh Allen after me propagating and telling everyone how great the chiefs are all year. Like I, I've said that this chiefs team is so different defensively. I give a lot of credit to Tyron Matthew what he does on a football field and where you can utilize him is so good. Steve Spagnola, their defensive coordinator, the same guy who beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl with his defensive schemes. I think I remember that one. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> so, yeah, Chris Jones, one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Um, you know, Frank Clark. Frank Clark's not this flash in the pan guy. Remember, he played in Seattle. He yep. was pretty good in Seattle too. Mm -hmm. So th there's weapons on this team, on this defense that can make life hell for quarterbacks. They brought their secondary. What they did to Josh Allen would have made a lot of quarterbacks in this league. And that's why my prediction for the Super Bowl is already made. I already know which way I'm going. <laughs> but life is not going to be easy come February 7th for one TB12. And we saw why. Because Josh Allen's got legs. He's got speed. He's yeah. got a big body. And they made him extremely uncomfortable. If you have a stationary quarterback with the speed that these DBs are coming off and the game plan Spagnola had, just clutch your pearls. That's all I can say <laughs> for TB12. But Josh Allen, I, I see growth here. And he's got to be able to take a look at his flaws in the blitz. Don't run backwards. Right. That's right. It's infuriating. Yeah, you, you can't do that. No, so, that's Madden stuff. You, you do that as a joke on Madden. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, when you, uh, um, oh, 
unless you're Patrick Mahomes, who can just flick the ball 80 yards. And Josh Allen can too, but Mahomes has a but lot. But Mahomes doesn't – Mahomes will backpedal and then get rid of it. I mean, Mahomes, yeah. Allen's got a guy on him, and he's still running backwards <laughs> trying to get away from him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it just comes down to Josh Allen has to improve certain aspects. His accuracy has gone leaps and bounds, and a lot of that has to do with yeah. Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley. People don't – Cole Beasley is a lot better than what I think people give him credit for, and he played the game on a broken freaking line. I was going to say, respect him for that. It's a lot of grit right there, man. That, yep. that takes a lot of uh, heart. Absolutely. So, no, I, I think Josh Allen is projecting to be probably the second-best quarterback in the – well, all right, I'll say this. It depends what happens with two guys. Where Deshaun Watson goes is going to determine the ranking of quarterbacks in the AFC and what this new coaching staff does with um, Justin Herbert with the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, you know, a, a lot of teams hate Tua, and yeah, I kind of yeah. see why now watching some of his game tape. But Josh Allen's got a bright future. The Bills have a bright future. This is probably going to be one of the Chiefs' main competitors in the AFC. And Josh Allen's really good. But like you said, you can't run backwards, get rid of the ball. It would do him well to kind of take a page out of guys like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Fight for the other down. You know, Live for another down. Live for another possession. And look, I'm not saying saying like his legs obviously pick up a ton of first downs. He had seven carries for 88 yards in this game. He makes plays with his legs, but there are some instances where throwing the ball out of bounds is the right play. There are some instances where taking a sack is the right play. There's never, it's never the right play to run backwards and lose 18 yards on a single sack. Like that's never going to be the right decision to make. Uh, and I don't know, what did you – the game was out of reach at this point, but I think the Chiefs kind of took a cheap shot on him. That He's going around and back in a sack, and then they blew the whistle, and the other guy comes in and hits him. He flicks the ball at his helmet, and a kind of a fight ensued. But you play it to the whistle, and then you pull up. I mean, it's that simple. You know, you don't you don't go and hit the guy when the whistle's blown. And at the same time, Josh Allen just go down and prevent that from happening altogether, but you can't hit the guy after the whistle. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when you're in a zone. I think – if you saw a couple plays before that, Okafor, who was the guy that we're referencing, yep. him and Allen were kind of chippy. I mean, it yeah. was kind of feisty. And do, do I think it was – I mean, it was definitely borderline. It's like, <laughs> oh, all right, Okafor, just calm down there, buddy. But Josh Allen throwing the football at his helmet, that was just such bullshit. You know, that's the maturity thing that you hope to see Josh Allen get rid of his game. Because, you know what, you might have got a call for roughing the passer if you didn't throw that, you know, the ball at the guy's head. Maybe. It, it was a possibility. Complain to the refs. You know, they threw a flag five seconds after the pass interference in the Green Bay game. Well, I mean, he's not Tom Brady. I mean, that's why. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I will say this, and I'm, I know, you know, you criticize the refereeing. How they got that right from top to bottom is just incredibly beyond me because <laughs> – Okafor got a personal foul penalty. Josh Allen got a personal foul penalty. And then two other Bills got personal foul penalties. Like, and then they all offset. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> the Bills got like 100 yards worth of penalties and the Chiefs got 30. And then all offset. <laughs> so, it's all clean. Uh, Replay it. Yep. That's a dumb rule. I should change that. No, I'm just making fun of people who hate the end zone rule. All right. Uh, so, yeah, this game kind of got out of hand in the second half. The Chiefs just are ridiculous. I mean – uh, they kind of showed like, hey, we're going to win every game possible that we can. And uh, that, that, that is worth a damn. 
And I think that that's where they're headed here in the Super Bowl. This should be the third straight Super Bowl appearance for the Chiefs, mind you. I mean, they had, they're had they a D forward offsides away from making that a reality. Uh, this is back-to-back Super Bowls for them. And, you know, we're going to have, you know, Super Bowl preview show and all this stuff. But uh, this is dynasty mode now for the Chiefs. I think they're right smack dab in the middle of it. And it could even be just beginning. It could be a long one. I, you know, with Chris Jones locked up, Tyron Matthew locked up, their corners are young on rookie, you know, on uh, rookie contracts. Breland is an awesome cornerback. Sorensen is such a difference maker at the safety position. You know, then let's just talk about offensively. Tyree Kill's locked up. Travis Kelsey's locked up. You know, Nicole Hardman or Nicole Hardman is on a rookie contract still. And still have Sammy Watkins. I mean, yeah, I mean, they can cut Sammy after this season if they decide to and, right. you know, pay one of these other guys. This team isn't going anywhere for a while. No. And you're talking about teams that have to catch them. And I don't know, like Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to get better. Running backs are a dime a dozen, as you like to say. They um, sure are. And you can find them <laughs> anywhere. So you can't be right. And guess what? They get Mitchell Schwartz back next year. Yep. And then. You know, unfortunately, Eric Fisher ruptured his Achilles tendon in that game. So that's actually a bigger loss than people want to admit. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have a little bit of issues with Shaq Barrett, but the issue with the Chiefs is that really you can only bring three or four. JVP know? got two sacks last week too. I mean, the, yeah. the, the Bucks can get pressure. I I think they can, but the issue with the Bucks is you're going to have to drop guys back and how they free up their defenders and, you know, the game tape against the Packers, they brought white, they would bring in a safety, you know, have the corners come up the edge. You can't do that against the chiefs. The Bucks were playing their cornerback or playing their safeties about 15 yards in against the chiefs. You got to play them about 23 to 25 yards back, you know, just because you have to respect the speed of Hardman and Hill because Hill is just a blaze. And if they get Sammy Watkins back for the Super Bowl, that's another speed guy. There's a lot of issues with that Bucks defense and the pass defense is not something they're good at going against maybe the prolific, the most prolific pass team in the NFL. Yeah. I can't wait for it. We're going to obviously do a bunch of previewing of this game uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, I will post in the group when we have an official uh, Super Bowl preview announcement. We usually do a big show for it. And I think we're going to do the same thing this year. So when I get names and a time confirmed, I will post that in the group for you guys for sure. Uh, not an all-time uniform matchup, unfortunately. These, usually I want there to be some aesthetic there, but a lot of red, a lot of red last year too, but yeah, that'll be okay. It should be a great game. Really looking forward to it. Hey, I just want to give, say a few things. If you're a Bills fan, congratulations. You had a hell of a season. Nothing to be ashamed of. You're going to be back again next year. I have no doubt about that. Um, you got all your coaches coming back. Dable's coming back. You're going to be ready to go again next year. Uh, Tyree Kill, 9 for 172. Unbelievable. Speed kills. If you're a team in the NFL, you need a guy who can just put on the Jets and just burn teams because he makes three or four plays every week that kill teams. And Travis Kelsey, <clears throat> Travis Kelsey, 13 for 118 and two touchdowns on 15 targets. This man is a vacuum. This guy just is there for every first down, makes so many plays. I'm not saying he's better than Gronk, but he's trying, man. 
he is up there amongst all time great tight ends and his he's putting together a hell of a career for himself and he's just beginning i mean he's really only halfway through it i mean they just locked him up too i mean he's one of pat mahomes favorite targets and he's just like all reliable if pat mahomes is, is running and he needs someone there and it's always travis kelsey and uh, i love watching travis kelsey he's one of the most fun tight ends i think i've ever watched yeah i i think you're gonna see a lot of fun matchups a lot of interesting things i, I want to say this to all the nfl fans if you're a fan of 31 NFL teams, you have something that I think you can be generally excited about for 2021. If you're a Houston Texans fan, I'm sorry. You know, trade in your gear, <laughs> do something with it. Um, you know, when the Jets outmaneuver you and make better moves than you and the Cincinnati Bengals are making right moves and have the right guy and <laughs> you somehow ostracize and piss off, you know, one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL and he doesn't even want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. It, it's bad. I mean, even the bears have something to look forward to and the Texans are just, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you remember, but we did uh, preseason predictions on what we thought the Super Bowl would be. I said Bucks versus Chiefs, so I uh, just want to put, throw that out there. I boldly picked this Super Bowl. <laughs> this Super Bowl. Uh, I believe you said Chiefs versus Seahawks, so you got half this right here. So, you know, half good job to you. Look, this was not a hard Super Bowl to predict. I'm not giving myself that much credit, but I just want to throw it out there. I did say the Bucks were going to be here uh, by the end of the year. Uh, anyway. Matt, we got all these great shows lined up on the Under the Life Group umbrella. Uh, before we say goodbye to the folks, why don't you tell us about them? Yeah, you know what, Randy? NBA's in full swing. The Step Back Podcast with Jacob Anthony Moses and Leon Tompkins. You know, I, I know today's the anniversary of Kobe. I'm sure the guys will have something very nice for Kobe tomorrow night. Um, it's one of the, my favorite basketball podcasts. You know, and I think really... You know, you can listen to them on iTunes. You can listen to them on Spotify and on Facebook Live. So give them a listen. Thursday, the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast with Corey Richmond and Jason Brooks. Big pay-per-view coming up this Sunday in the Royal Rumble. Um, yeah, WWE has some big news. I'm sure they're going to touch on it. I'm not going to spoil it, but they just made $1 billion overnight. <laughs> so it, they seem to print their own money. Then we have... Oh, I do have to apologize. I forgot. We do have a baseball podcast this evening following us up with Felipe Melicio. And I believe Dan Butler is going to be sitting in for Sean Flannery. They're going to be talking some fantasy baseball, some Hall of Fame stuff. Should be a great show. Really looking forward to that after this one this evening. Um, so I imagine, I'm not sure if they're going to go Sunday, Sean and Felipe, but they might. If they go Sunday, you know where to catch them. No football, really. Pro Bowl, whatever. Um, Monday could be an emergency episode of Dong City with Henry and Vince Mercandetti. We just don't know how that's going to shape up. And then, Randy, um, we will be putting out somewhat of a feeler. We might go Tuesday as a primer and do another show, or we might just do a Super Bowl extravaganza show. Yeah, I want to do a Super Bowl mega show. We'll figure out which day we're going to do that, but it, I'm looking at maybe Friday. I got to figure out who can do it when it's the whole thing, but we're going to let you know when that's happening for sure. 
And, and I may bring out a little special for the fans. I, I, I may show you some game tape, some plays, some key turning points. So maybe be on the lookout for that. You know, a little Bucks breakdown and a little Chiefs breakdown. Yeah, I can't wait for that. There are uh, there's a little bit of rumors going around that I might be making an appearance on the step back tomorrow to talk some Kobe and all things NBA. So uh, I'm not, you know, confirming nor denying anything, but uh, just throwing that out there. So uh, <laughs> be sure to check those guys out regardless if I'm there or not. And like I said, the show is dedicated to the life and memory of Kobe Bean Bryant and his daughter Gianna and the seven other victims of that helicopter crash. Not a day goes by that I don't think about that. And it's still something I'm not over to this day. So uh, make sure you hug your loved ones, tell them that you love them because tomorrow truly is never promised uh thank you guys so much for joining us whether it's facebook live or you're joining watching us on youtube or any of the audio platforms wherever you are listening however you are listening thank you so much for making us a part of your day on behalf of matt bushnell i'm randy hammond saying see you next week on football life this is the audible